Welcome to The Bear and the Bull. I am Nick Webster, your host, and this week I'm very pleased to welcome to the show a man who has travelled the world playing and coaching this beautiful game. Used to be at Oxford United, one of the uh, proud names of English football, tucked away in the lower divisions, and now is a high school coach at an independent school on the west side of Los Angeles, co- coaching girls soccer. Ben Thomas, welcome to the Bear and the Bull. Thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me, mate. Full disclosure, Ben and I have known each other for quite some time. We've coached together, uh, played together. He's a far better player than me, got a good left foot. Uh, but a real student of the game and has been at Wynwood now for how many years? Seven, seventh year. Seventh year at Wynwood, began with the boys alongside me and then took on the uh, the girls program. And it's been a very successful ride. So talk to me about the the beginning of the girls program and what you were left with and what you tried to turn it into. Yeah, so my first year working with the girls program was under was under another head coach. Um, so I was assistant on the program for the first year. We always had some talent, but it was a very mixed range of ability levels, personalities. Um, it was only ever a varsity team, for example. Um, but you know, we, we had some talent to work with, so I learned a lot on that first year as being an assistant coach, how high school works, how you know the girls' soccer side of side of things in high school works. And then I got the opportunity a year or so later to take over as the as the head coach. And then I think it was just about building foundations, as you know, trying to take the program the direction I wanted to see it, um, become organised, become more competitive, um, really look at the process of development over initial winning and, and you know finding your competitive level that way. And then I've just kind of taken it on from there, you know. So dis- discuss foundations because, you know, we have a lot of coaches who listen to this particular podcast and get a lot of questions about how, how do you go about building a, a program, especially when, for instance, the girls' program's been in place for 20 years. How do you go about going in there, establishing yourself and saying, these are the things that I believe matter and then getting the understanding from the players themselves. Well, I think it's about taking into consideration, you know, my philosophy, where I'm coming from, how I like to build a program, to build a team, to, to play the game. And then also understanding the organization you work for, right, is is what is their approach. You know, women is very education-based, athletics, believes in the process over the outcome. So it's about kind of marrying those areas together. Then in terms of what you build is, you start with the with the culture of the program and the expectations and standards before you even get on the training field, before you even get into games. And it's about building those standards and agreeing and getting buy-in of those standards with all stakeholders. So especially at high school age, you're not just talking the players that you're going to see every day throughout the season. You're talking administrators, you're talking athletic directors, you're talking parents. And, you know, being able to meet everybody's views and kind of expectations in that area but also you're you're educating people as you go along in terms of how we want this to look what does this team look like on and off the field what are our standards what are our core values once you get those foundations in place then you start to look into the playing personnel the tactical side of things but for me looking after a whole program which isn't just a varsity team is about those solid foundations well, what does that process look like? I mean, is it a case of, you know, you, you, you get your squad members together before the season starts and say, who are we as a team? What do we want to be as a team? What are we willing to sacrifice as a team? Are those the kind of questions you're asking? Yeah, it's exactly that. It's a process you, you do and you repeat, right? You can do that process once. 
You can decide on some foundations and core values. The players are all buying in. You're going to lose some of those players when they graduate the next year. So you have to revisit, revisit, revisit. But yeah, it's about buying. It's about giving them an opinion. You know where you want to take it. You know what's important to you. Can you transfer that to the players under your watch? But also, can you gain stuff from them? There's stuff that I oversee that, that has become you know, a key foundation for where we're going. So that is exactly, you know, you, you get people in a room. You, you talk, you say, what, is it, what do we look like? What are we about? Um, and then you work from there and you try and repeat that as a group, as stakeholders in that group every single day. What happens when things don't align? You're in that room, you're saying what your core values are and you're looking back at your prospective players and you're not seeing anything. You're not seeing any emotion, you're not seeing any passion and you're, you're probably seeing, I don't think I'm getting through to these, these lot. Yeah. So you take it back to your initial kind of work on this and this is where you have to revisit otherwise your culture will default to whatever it's going to default to so you know it's it's taking it whether it's a certain group or some individuals back to that drawing board if you like and saying that we agreed on this you know if we don't agree on this what else can it look like but then you explain the need of where we're trying to get to why i'm bringing this to the table why i want the team to look or act like this and what you hope the result will be so if you fast forward to that and then break it down coming backwards with with kids that are struggling to get on board or maybe it's parents or maybe it's a coach you can kind of work backwards for what you see as your vision at the end of the day as a head of a program you've got to have the overall vision how you get there will, might meander it might change you might have to take a few steps back to go forwards but it's constant communication and conversation around what we're trying to achieve and yeah there'll be disagreements i actually like disagreements you know when a kid comes to you and says i don't really like that one or what did you mean by that what if this happens you have to break it down and it's very easy not to give the time to that oh we need to train we've got a game tomorrow or you know oh, we'll talk later you should know what i want i hear that from people or coaches all the time well no not if you're not revisiting and, and teaching and learning and being open to other views because you know you can you can we can learn a lot off some of these kids some of them very mature you know really switched on and that's how i go about doing it i'm not going to dismiss that out of the park I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a conversation, I'm going to revisit. Eventually, if someone doesn't want to fall into line, then that becomes a different issue. That's, you know, well, do you really want to be here? Do you really want to be a part of this? Because this is what we're striving towards. If you're holding that back and you're not pulling your weight in that direction, then we have a different problem where it becomes slightly discipline or whatever it might be. But, you know, always talk. You can't dismiss someone's view just because it might be different. Yeah. Two-parter here then. Describe the importance of seniors and then tell me what happens when seniors don't get on board with the program and have the ability to really disrupt things. So they have tons of experience by then. If they played a four year in a, in a four year high school program. Um, they're usually very influential, whether they're a quiet leader, a strong leader, a, a very talkative leader. Um, so they command a lot of respect and you'd be bound to have the freshman players coming in and really looking up to those people. So you have to work really closely with them and your leadership group on the team to transmit the message and to get everybody pulling in the right direction. And they are the ones I target the most at the start of the year as we get together in a summer programming to build that initial culture. Those are little, little foundations and then we can add the football side of things. If 
usually and in my experience they've really been on board they've led in their own way they bring their own personalities to it but they kind of almost run the locker room on behalf of the coaches because they know the expectations they know the standards we've revisited them they've come across many situations where that culture can default you know the, the strong mindset of keeping going when it's not going well and I've had a very positive experience with seniors I imagine if a senior did turn against that for whatever reason, um, usually it's a personal selfish reason perhaps. You know, these are kids, they're young. If something's not going well for them, if they feel they're not contributing, for example, on the pitch, that's where they can go a little bit awry. Um, and then it's a case of bringing them back in, not calling them out, calling them in, you know, saying how important they are, saying that they are an example, uh, showing them how influential they can be and just trying to get them back on the same page as you. Because once you let that develop, and once you get a senior who's well respected, you know, not pulling in the same direction, that's where, you, again, I talk about a default of culture, right? It's gonna to default to whatever they want it to be. So you, you have to work at that, you have to keep an eye on it. A lot of, you know, managing teams or departments in any organization, I believe, is being observant, taking a step back, you know, who's doing what, who's acting like what, you know, what do we need? Are the, are the leaders leading? You know, are people putting the required effort and focus in? And you, you have to keep an eye on that because if you let it go just a little bit too long and stuff's festering away in the locker room behind, you know, closed doors, that's when you'll be, begin to notice cracks. And of course, those cracks go into training, they go into performance, they go into the game. So to really work with your seniors. Your seniors are a gift and you have to really, really get them pulling behind you. How much autonomy do you give your team when it comes to that self, self kind of management? Because as, as you said, there's stuff that sometimes you don't know what's happening, maybe even your assistant doesn't know what's happening, and yet it has the uh, potential to, to, to rip the team apart at the seams. So, yes, I understand that you want your, your players to self-police to a certain extent, but at what point do you go, okay, that's enough self-policing, I need to step in. Yeah, I think before the self-policing, because these are all students, they're all students at school before they're part of our soccer team, is that they need to have the trust to report stuff to a head coach or to an assistant coach. And if they, and, and this is not, you know, you know, kids are like is snitching on another teammate. It's nothing to do with that. It's about having the trust that if we're recognizing a, a process or a behavior that's happening that could affect what we're doing day to day and could grow into something which sends the team in a, in a direction we don't want to do it, we need to know. So I think, first of all, you, you, there's a, a two-way trust with your seniors. They have to be your observers. I've, I've explained about being very observant to, to kind of look after all of this stuff. They're your first eyes and ears, and they need to bring it to you. I, would, I, I actually have you know, really reinforce to them that it should come to me if it's important enough. And we've worked with that group on what they could self-police and what they couldn't. You know, if it's a big issue and it's a big fallout or it's, a, you know, something personal's going on and we need to know about it, they should have that trust to come to us, um, open door policy. Because you don't, what you don't want are situations where a senior is, you know, calling the team in and acting like a coach and acting like they have a higher level of responsibility when really that's not the case they're a leader for the team rather than a leader over the team you know so you have to be careful with that one because you could have a really strong powerful character go in and you know come on girls you need this 
you over there, we need more of that. How that lands is you have to manage that. So, you know, it's kind of reporting first, a little bit of a debriefing, and then if I feel it's something they can cope with, I'll, I'll give a little message that I can transmit through that. If it's something we have to step in, then we have to step in. At the end, end of the day, we're, you know, education department as well as an athletics department, and we have to look out for the welfare of everyone. So you have the foundation, you've got the culture in place. Let's let's move now to the season or pre-season rhythm of the season, because obviously, as you just mentioned, and and, and we know from you know working in high school, these kids have got a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of homework. There's a lot of social. And then we're trying to run a soccer program with the hope of not only providing enjoyment, but you know, physical fitness, mental health fitness, and then there's the game itself. So talk to us a little bit about that process and, and how you build towards what would hopefully be, uh, I'd imagine, the playoffs. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's a challenge. You've got, as you've just mentioned, you've got so many moving parts, you've got so many different people coming together from you know, doing different things, different interests, different time constraints, different academic needs and, you know, levels of home or whatever it may be. So I like to start early and this is unusual for a winter season. The summer is a key time where towards the end of the school summer holiday, when I know families are going to be around, you know, vacation time is kind of coming to an end. We get together and we do like a week or a week and a half intensive work. And that's just spending time together rather than anything too tactical or too football related. It's about coming together, playing, having fun, building that camaraderie, welcoming the new players in, and also getting a sense as a coaching staff in that week where players are at, who plays club, who plays ECNL, who is going to be, you know, playing a lot of soccer before we actually set foot on the field as a as a school team, um, and just understanding do people have other interests, you know, performing arts, uh, theatre, that kind of thing. And more you can get to know each individual and how the group works and what people's needs are and again marrying them with our expectations and what we expect day to day and our and our values then you can start to build so that first week for me is huge and it might be you have because of vacation right it's actually squad you have two drop in for two days and then they go but as if you can see everybody or get as most people together as possible you know we're not a professional outfit you know it is a holiday time so they're going to be in and out but just getting as many people together as possible. And then what you're looking at building is then you refine it, you start to decide who's your varsity makeup, your junior varsity makeup through just observation and working with the players. And then as you get into September, October time, you start to really kind of go a little more organizational on the tactical side. You start to kind of think where people can plug into the team, where they're gonna be competing. So let, let me jump in just a yeah. second then. So. I'm a new coach. I'm at my new high school, and I'm in. I, I, um, I can understand the benefits of getting the team in early. Mm-hmm. My athletic director doesn't really understand the game of soccer, and is looking at me like, "What are you talking about?" Tell me how you're going to frame that discussion to get the administration on board with bringing in kids early, mm-hmm. and then maybe delve a little bit into that parent conversation as well because as you just as you just said we're not a professional team but at the same time if we can run our program on a more professional basis we're going to get more success and, and success doesn't mean you know wins no. but yeah, success no. as in uh that you know the, the program flourishes people are enjoying themselves mm. so i think the ad situation is 
you know, if you have the interest and the numbers and you or you can prove that you're developing that and growing that, it shows what you're doing is working. You know, if you build it, they're going to come. So, you know, if if most of the girls and families are making themselves available and wanting to attend these earlier kind of pre-seasonal sessions, you know, that should present to any athletic director that there's an interest, there's a demand. This, you know, this seems to be rolling in the in into the into the right direction, and you, your proof and your evidence for your AD is almost there, and 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 they're gonna, they're going to see that, they're going to pick up on that. Uh, what comes first? Sometimes you might have to have that argument where you're we need this to develop and to be successful and to build build the team culture and then to streamline it as we go into the season. You've got to be really patient. You've got to be really balanced because, you know, I've worked club soccer for many years uh, previously. It's a busy time the fall, and we're trying to get them tournaments, weekend travel, and it, you know, if your AD is aware of that, it's about look. I'm not going to do a lot of this, but I need this contact, you know, once a week. And then most parents and kids are very positive about that. You then get the outside external coaches who have an issue. Oh, wh- why are you starting so early? Why are you pulling kids in? Why are you, you know, doing some high in- high intensity drills when we've got an important training session tonight? So it's again balancing that. I'm never going to lay on too much. I'm not going to demand we go every week from August to the start in November because that's unrealistic. Would I love that? Of course, but you got burnout for the kids to start with, and it's just not possible with the, with how many players you're going to be dealing with at the play club. So it's about balancing and managing those relationships: AD, parents, kids, expectations, external clubs that have a, have a lot of influence on those players. And I think you can find the right balance. We would, for example, September, October, go to once a week. Sometimes we do a morning session before school, which the students are usually very actually good about and excited about. Um, and, and it's about spending time and developing your team. And eventually, once you get closer, clubs should begin to slide off. You know, an AD, for example, will see what you've done, will see where the team's at, will see how ready it is rather than just leaving it to that first week and then pick up from there. And then so I think you build it through through that and through just being honest and open and, and stating what you need to be successful. You talk about club and both you and I have worked within the club soccer environment on, on me on, on the girls and the, and the boys side. And I, I, I don't know where this comes from because you and I are both lovers of the game. It doesn't matter you know, whether you're playing in the backyard or you're playing at Wembley Stadium in the World Cup final. It's still the game and yet Many club and club coaches will poo-poo high school soccer. What do you think the reason for that is? Um, I think it gets looked down on, and I don't, I don't really know the initial reasoning behind that and where that originates from. I think maybe you've got so many age ranges together, and the style of play tends to default to a very intense physical athletic style of play. Not always, and I've come across many a team, and I, and I, I coach my team in such a way that that's not kind of our, our tactical approach. But it's that also in, in with the fact that you might have a really talented freshman, might make a varsity team in a, in a small school, but you know, it, are they more prone to an injury because they're up against seniors in, in their opening league game and those seniors are big, strong and you know, smashing them into tackles. So it's, I can see why it's developed. I think it's gone too far. I think there's a lot of good work at high school. I think it's a great environment to play in. You're representing your school. You're with your, your friends and peers every day and you're going out together. It becomes like your job for two and a half months. Like 
because you get them every day in that season. You play twice a week. Um, so I think the style of play gets looked down on, but it, there's, again, very little truth in that. If you watch some high school programs, it's actually, you know, the, the game's being taught in the right way. Um, this myth that you would get injured playing high school, right? You can't get injured playing club or ECN Hour Academy. Only high school can you get injured. You know, that's a big myth that's been built upon by coaches that maybe haven't worked high school and don't see the benefits. From a coach, from my standpoint is, what a difference to what you've got all year round. You might play for your under 12 club team, right? A bit older than that, under 14 club team. And one style, it's great. You're learning the game. You're playing through the thirds. Your first touch is great. You're a technical player. What a wonderful challenge and test to step into an arena where you're against kids three years older than you and you're going to get pushed about and you're going to, you're going to have to find a level and a way to compete which maybe not be your game, but that's definitely going to make you, as you said, we're lovers of the game. It's going to make you a better all-round player. It's going to make you appreciate different aspects of the game. It's going to prepare you if you go on to play at college, you know, which can be direct, physical, very fit young people at the D1, D2, D3 level. So for me, it gets a, an unfair rap. I don't know why it's developed so much, why it's looked down upon so much, because... You know, I'm sure there's some poor coaches, some average coaches, some very good coaches at high school level. But from, you know, what I'm seeing, it's a good environment. It's a great learning environment for young soccer players at whatever level. I have girls that don't play all year round. I have girls that play all year round. I have somewhere in the middle. Come together and enjoy that high school experience. So now we're in the season. And as we know from many many seasons of coaching high school the games come thick and fast i mean there's you know we, we you and i both love the premier league and we go off two games a week that's too much well in in high school it's sometimes three games a week sometimes four games a week tell me how you manage that cycle because the season definitely has a rhythm you, you can't peak the first week of the season you know you want to be peaking towards the end of the season how do you manage that rhythm where do you find the rest and recovery opportunities and how do you have the kids balance the, the, the games and all the other stuff that they've got going on in their lives? Yeah, it's, it's intense. Um, and from a coaching, soccer and physiological point of view, you kind of want to do a mini pre-season with them, but you can't. Because they've come off that Thanksgiving weekend at a big tournament. They're tired from that. You know, your first two weeks... Traditionally, you get a bit of fitness behind them. So you, I do everything with a ball now, um, but I make it replicate what they're going to feel in that very first high school game against decent opposition. Fast, furious, game won't settle down for 20 minutes. You've got to be ready. You've got to be at it. You've got to be front foot. You, you're going to be tired. And then it's building the robustness to cope with that, like you say, twice a week at least, all the way through from November to February. Um, so again, it's my favorite word, you're just having to balance things out. Um, when you've got that window and you know clubs shut down, hit the fitness, but build it in with a ball, make it realistic, make it kind of the intensity that they're gonna come across against the opposition you're up against. Um, tight, intense, having to build that competitive edge. And then in terms of rest, once those games start, you know, the high school games, the kids that are playing the most, they're going to build and maintain and get used to it pretty quick. The, the ones that play half hour here and there are going to really struggle. And it's about, you know, on the rest day, which between games for us would be a Wednesday, it's who needs to actually go again because they haven't had many minutes and who actually probably needs to just sit out a lot of it, stretch, roll, recover. 
So you're almost splitting your team sometimes to to give the individual players what they need. Also on a rest day, I'll only make the recovery process an hour because we might have had a night kickoff on the Tuesday night. When's the homework going to get done? You know, parents quite rightly concerned about the time traveling and, and the study time missed. It might be an early dismissal from class. So Wednesday, I like to get them away earlier so they can get home, get recuperated because you might be playing the Thursday or the Friday. Um, and again, it's, been, it's being observant, right? You can see, you know, you don't need sports scientists at high school level to tell you when a, when a kid is struggling physically or is, is tired or maybe mentally is burnt out. So it's about observing, knowing your kids, knowing your players, showing your care and, you know, keeping an eye on it. And you might need to say to someone, you sit out today, you know, take, take on the tactical stuff, sit over there, show your face, part of the program. You're not missing. You're not just gone home. You're here, you know, and just... You just manage people like that. I, I, you know, it's not an injury. It's just knowing what their body needs. If it's an injury, you've got your athletic medicine department, but it's more being in tune to them um, and just trying to trying to balance it so that by that last two weeks, like you mentioned, you're not dead on your feet. You know. Well, you meant, you mentioned playing time and at a independent school that's uh, parents are paying a lot of money to have their kids go there. Playing time can sometimes be an issue and, and yeah balancing playing time to being competitive maybe being uber competitive maybe wanting to challenge for league maybe wanting to make a deep run in the playoffs how do you manage that aspect and at what point do you say to yourself I'm playing my best team today regardless of whispers maybe requests mm. maybe maybe even a little bit of guilt that someone hasn't played all season long and they're a senior and they've been in with the program for four years and they're looking at you with puppy eyes tell, tell me that process and how hard is it it's hard and if you care about each and every young person in your program it gets to you the, the key thing is is to rewind back to the start and the foundation that foundation building phase you got to be honest with people. You got to be honest and and tell them exactly where they're at. And you feel that's harsh in the moment, but it's going to set them up for what's expected. And you can be explicit at this moment in time where you're at and what you're showing. This varsity team is trying to be as competitive and as success, successful as possible. That might mean you're not playing as much. It's not personal. It's just data. It's just information. But I want to be honest with you. I want to tell you this now so that it's not a shock to the system and it doesn't become something it doesn't need to be later in the season. So I would have those one-on-one -on -one check ins with players once I've completed kind of the pre-season process and we've split down into squads. And I get their buy-in as a whole before I do these individuals. What do we want to be? Do you want to have fun, improve, develop, have a great time, have equal game time? You can ask that and I guarantee they say, no, we want to do well, right? So that's great. If you get the other answer, then maybe you've got to do a bit more work. But in my experience, no, we want to, we want to do well. So put your egos aside. The team becomes, comes before any individual and accept that some players will play big roles. Some players will play slightly less roles, you know, smaller roles. But everybody is playing a role. And we're trying to make this team as successful as it can be. And understand that maybe you might have to sit out 15, 20 minutes or not start a game because of a certain opposition or a certain something that's happened for the good of the team, for where we're trying to get to, that we've all agreed on back in that initial phase. We've all said to each other, 
we're trying to be competitive possible. Only 11 players can be on the pitch at any one time. Let me ask this question then. Do your stars get different kind of treatment? No, they probably get harsher treatment. Not on purpose, just because I try and challenge each kid for meet them where they're at and you know give them the tools but give them the challenges they need and I think with the higher ability players that are playing more there's perhaps a, a more of an expectation on them and I think they accept that and I think most of them embrace that um, so again it's also if they're not embracing or accepting that it's about having that, that talk that this is why I may be talking to you more demanding more of you in this situation because this is what we need you for this is what the team needs you for and I think you can cope with it you know because sometimes there's a miscommunication why are you always shouting at me you know why you know why, why have I got to do that all the time well that's your role you know and some it doesn't mean the person playing a lesser role is any more important in their minutes or in their game but I, I find myself more demanding with the with the higher ability players perhaps I don't know why it's not a purposeful conscious thing all of the time but it fits in what we're trying to achieve if each kid is playing their role to the maximum right we're in business but I'm probably going to need to give a, a lot of challenges to the kids playing the biggest role to keep everything moving it's last couple of questions yeah what's the best part about being a high school girls coach um just being being around each other is great when you're in season you'll have ups and downs you'll have good results great performances you'll have poor results but being around each other and bouncing back together some of my favorite training sessions are kind of clear the head training sessions where you've had a bad result you're facing adversity but you go back to what's important to you and you go out there and and girls will say at the end oh my, oh my word that my, my head's cleared you know like I feel good it's go again it's attack again it's just picking each other back up sometimes I'll be down and my demeanour won't be exactly how it needs to be too positive and the kids will have a laugh and a joke and they'll pick you up and it's about, it's almost like that family-esque style like you're picking each other up you're pulling each other again in the same direction because it ain't easy it's not easy and I think the enjoyment you get from going through the hard parts and then really enjoying the highs and just you spend a lot of time together and you know see it for me the most joy is spending that time getting to know these people, um, showing we care about these people, and and having a good time. You know, you can still not have a successful season on the pitch and, and have a good time. And I just I think it's really rewarding to get people together in that intense period of time and really, you know, really enjoy the process, whatever that may be. You know, and helping, developing. You know, but I tell all my kids if at the end of the season you haven't had fun you haven't developed, you haven't enjoyed being part of this, and we've got a problem, we need to investigate that. And more or less, you know, we hit that note, so. That's the higher the spectrum. Let's go to the lower the spectrum. What's the worst part about being a high school coach? Um, a lot of it's to do with how it's frowned upon and looked upon that we've mentioned previously. I, I find that frustrating when coaches don't really know what's going on, you know. Oh, why are you playing for your high school? Well, come and watch. A training session of mine come and watch what we do come and see my training plan and then take a judgment come and watch us try and play and then take a judgment so that's the worst of it people without the knowledge casting assumptions making judgments on the level of high school um, 
another part of it can be kind of you have an expectations level and you want to be really consistent you want everybody and you have to accept you know you're not always going to reach it you're gonna to have to aim for as high as you can but you might have to come in a bit less because there's other interests there's vacations you have winter break slap bang in the middle of the season kids going away for the weekend you know you have to it's very frustrating because you want everybody there all of the time you have to accept it's not there's a tough part because as a coach i'm a bit ocd and perfectionist if i've got a session plan i want to know how many kids are there i want to know who's there i know what positions i'm working with i need to work with the defensive units so i need that back four. Oh, one's missing that's tough but you have to take a step back and think this is the level we're at find solutions you know last question i'm a young guy Starting off in the, in the coaching world, got my D license, maybe working on my C, I wanna coach high school. What's the best way to go about finding that position and, and making sure that you're in the right environment for where you need to be at that particular moment? Yeah, so kind of the club arena, if you're coaching and working in that, can lead you to high school roles. Um, the actual coaching community, even though it's a huge city and area like LA and Southern California, People know each other, and you can you can find ways to get opportunities. Um, you know, school websites uh, around your local area. There's always assistant roles. You know, sometimes you have to get in as an assistant to, to work your way up. It's uh, it's usually the way you have to do things. CIF Home, um, all those kind of websites. There's 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 tons of high school jobs out there, and I think it's a nice fit if you are kind of a young club coach in that. A lot of the time, once that Thanksgiving is over, you you do have the time to combine the two, um, and just outreach, getting out there, you know, your work. If you you mentioned the D license, you'll work with coaches all around the area coming together. The D license, those contacts, right? Build your contacts, keep in touch, share ideas, you know, and and roles will pop up. Um, just about putting yourself out there, and you know, taking something that you might think, oh, I don't know if that sounds great, but the school sounds great. It's an assistant role, I wanted a head coach role, but actually just putting yourself out there first and getting your foot in the door and, and showing what you can do. And a lot of it leads on from there. You know. Ben Thomas, head coach of Wynwood High School. Thank you so much for joining The Bear and the Ball. And if you want more from CalSouth, please go to calsouth.com. You can also find us on Instagram. You can find us on Facebook. And as always, you can find me on Twitter, at Nick Webster. We'll be back next week. Bye for now.